0: kids you can head on upstairs I'm going to put my elk back here nobody steal my bag of elk take your Bibles and you can turn to Second Peter shared with you a while back that Kind of been in limbo on kind of direction on Sunday morning. So I've been jumping around a lot. <laughs> Spent a little bit of time on um, the death of the church. But other than that, just kind of been jumping around. And uh, I'm just thankful while we were. While we were up in the mountain, mountains, I did get some direction, and then that was uh, brought to light uh, for certain this week in, in my study. And so we're going to go through the book of Second Peter. Um, you, you really uh, don't have to read uh, First Peter before Second Peter in that it's not a continuance. It, it is um, a different letter, and so we don't have to do that so those of you who are OCD hang hang on it'll be all right so but um, we were if you if you get into the study you'll find out that Peter wrote 1 Peter to uh, believers who were scattered all throughout Asia and he does the same thing here in in 2 Peter he's not writing to a particular church uh, he's writing to believers that are scattered over the uh, entire area of Asia, and then uh, you know, for for time, I, I don't want to um, spend a lot of time on on what was uh, uh, what was considered Asia. That that isn't what uh, uh, is Asia that we think about today. And so, but uh, it was over in and part of what we have today is modern-day Turkey and up in that area, and so, but um, not really concerned about that other than he was writing this to believers that were scattered throughout, and the reason that they were scattered is that they had been persecuted, and so they had left Jerusalem and uh, had, had started scattering out, and then wherever they went, they were telling others about Jesus, and uh, we see that churches were getting started and um, all over the different areas. and And so Peter was writing to all of those groups all over the place and and the purpose for doing this is he wanted to uh, encourage the believers to know the truth in a time when there was growing heresies and apostasies. And second, uh, Peter deals with the perils that, uh, come from within the the inner attacks, and First uh, Peter was ready, written dealing with the outer attacks, those that that you can see coming, and how you need to guard against those things from the outside world and the culture and all of that. Well, now he's starting to deal with here in Second Peter the battles that you have inside the inside the walls. Okay, this is the battle that we're talking about with all of us today as a church body. These are some of those uh, perils that come from within. And so um, Peter is going to deal with that, and he's going to deal with the false teachers that have infiltrated into the church and and into their teaching, and they were using God's grace as an excuse for what we would consider a lasciviousness lifestyle, and anything goes, and, and they... Uh, live however way they want to in their lifestyle and uh, just uh, depend upon God's grace and uh, we know that <clears throat> that isn't the way it ought to be and as a matter of fact Paul even said in Romans 6 verse 1 God forbid and so he doesn't want that and and so how does Peter battle that well he, he battles that by emphasizing the importance of knowing the word of God so that we can combat evil teaching and wicked lifestyles and we're also going to find as we go through these three chapters of second peter that he reminds the believers that there is judgment and we all need to be aware and understand that whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap and as he also said in the book of numbers be sure your sin will find you out and so we see Peter writing this, and it's said that uh, he probably wrote this kind of like Paul wrote 2 Timothy. This is what you would consider uh, Peter's swan song. He is getting ready to depart this life. He knows that time is growing short, and so he wants to leave uh, the last few words that he has. He, these are the important things, the things that he has thought about, that he wants to leave behind for a legacy for others to read. And and obviously, God inspired this. And But these are the last uh, words of Peter. And so I would say that if you're listening to someone who is giving you his last word before he knows that he is soon to perish, you would want to listen to what he has to say. And so that's what we're going to do. And so as we go through Second uh, Peter, I'm not sure... How long it's going to take, but I titled it a journey into holiness. I I think that we all need to be challenged to live a little bit closer to God and 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 live a little uh, more according to what God's Word has to say. And 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 I don't want to bring. I I guess I don't want to bring my own ideas into this. I I just want to uh, take this word for word and verse by verse chapter by chapter, and just see what God's Word says, and, and what Peter is telling us, that if we are going to defeat the problems within, then these are the things that we ought to do, and, and we're going to find that the biggest tool, the biggest weapon that we have is knowledge. That's what he's going to show. He emphasizes that throughout the entire book of Second Peter, emphasizing the word knowledge, knowledge of God's Word. And, and how we need to take it and apply it to our lives and, and be what it is that that God wants us to be. And, and so uh, a couple of different outlines, if you like this, it's really simple. There's just three main points, one, two, and three, and that would be chapters one, two, and three. And chapter one is believers in godly living, or I also uh, an, another one is a format for power. And then... Roman numeral 2, that would be chapter 1. Roman numeral 2, chapter 2, would be uh, false teachers or the the false path promoters. There, there are always those. It, it's amazing to me, even in the first century church, we see that there were problems with false teachers all the way back then. And it's always been that way, always will be. the The devil does not want us to... Uh, uh, know the truth, and and he knows that knowledge is power, and 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 if he can keep us illiterate to the word of God and ignorant to the word of God, then then uh, he wins the uh, biggest part of the battle, and and so there are those who are the false path promoters. But thirdly, you could say it's either Christian living or it's the foundation of promises that God gives us. You know that that really is Christian life today is reading the word of god and and seeing what god tells us and and finding all the promises that god gives us and realizing that that what god says he will do he will do and how good that is and how we ought to live according to that and so i pray that as as we go through this look i'm i'm not here making any judgments i'm just here to show you what the Word of God says and how we ought to be living. We have a responsibility as believers. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, then this is an opportunity with people who love you and truly care about you to deal with that today. Be honest with God and let Him know that you have been rejecting the perfect sacrifice and and that you realize that you are a sinner just like the rest of us and that you need a Savior and you realize today that Jesus Christ is the one who made that perfect sacrifice. He died on that cross. He was buried. He rose again, showing us that he is God himself, and he is truly the only one that can get you to heaven. That's your ticket to heaven, is through Jesus. That's it. There's no way you're ever going to get there on your own, through anything that you can offer God. You have absolutely nothing to honor. You, you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And so trust in the one who will save you. He'll take you right where you are and and give you a new life and a new heart and give you a new destination and save your soul. And I pray that don't fight it anymore. Just deal with it. Ask Jesus Christ to be your savior and trust him with all your heart, and you'll see that he will save you. He promises to do that. That's the number one promise that we ought to live by. Anyway, we'll get into this now and and we see an introduction here in verses one and two, and uh, in the format for power. And Simon Peter, and, and so he introduces himself as the writer. and And we know that Simon Peter, one of the the uh, disciples, one of the the uh, first twelve apostles, and then thirteen when you start counting, uh, Paul. And and so Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we need to understand that that we ought to have the same kind of a mentality when it comes to uh, our walk with God is that we need to understand that if we're truly going to be victorious in in living a life that's pleasing to God, we need to understand that we ought to be a servant of Jesus Christ. We ought to be a slave. I know that's not a very woke term today, but that is what he's telling us that we ought to be is, is we are a slave to Jesus. Whatever Jesus wants, that's what we are going to do. Our fulfillment in life is to make our master happy. Our master is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and you find out as he tells us that, that his burden is easy, his, his, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's not like he's putting something on us that we can't do. He, 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 he tells us that we follow him, and you find out that it's much easier than the the burden and the yoke of sin and, and living our own life. and try, we, we have no idea what even is going to come the rest of the day, and we're dealing with a God who actually has your path all paved out for you and, and, and knows exactly what's best for you, and, and let's just trust Him and be a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was a, a delegate. He was a special delegate, a special messenger of jesus christ you can go to acts chapter 1 and verse 22 and for time i'm not going to go there but whenever judas iscariot had committed suicide and shown that he was a a a false apostle and a false disciple and and had been a fake his whole life and and had uh uh, committed suicide they came together and they said we need to um, bring in another apostle and so you find out that the requirements for an apostle was that they needed to be there and they needed to see the life of Jesus. They needed to see his death, burial, and his resurrection. That's why there's no apostles today. That's why we understand that, as he tells us, that, that that our Christian faith today is built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, the prophets, and the apostles. The prophets are dead today, too, when it comes to speaking the word of God from, uh, from God himself, directly from God himself. They they would speak directly what no one else knew, and they would speak exactly what God told them to speak. Well, guess what? God has done so and used those prophets. They wrote it down, and it was put into the canon of Scripture, and it's called the Bible. And we have everything that we need to know. We have everything from the beginning of time For the creation, we have that all the way until we see the eternal state being described in how we will live. There is nothing missing. We have everything that we need to know right here in God's Word. We do not have apostles today. We do not have prophets today like what they had during that time that spoke for God. We have the entire Word of God. We don't need somebody speaking anything new. We have enough trouble trying to live according to what we have right here. And so just if you'll find that you will, by the Holy Spirit's help, live according to the Word of God, you'll find out you have plenty to live by, and you don't need any more revelation. It's not right. And be careful of those who are telling you that they are speaking new revelation. God warns against that all the way over in the last chapter of Revelation. And so we see that we need to be a slave, and we see that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, and then he goes on, and so he gives his qualifications. You need to listen. He's he's letting you know who he is. He's not just some Simon Peter. He is the Simon Peter that God called, that he walked with Jesus, and that uh, he's he's giving us those explanations of, so we know who it is. I find it amazing that. You get into commentaries and you have scholars who want to argue over who wrote the book of 2 Peter. I'm a simple guy, okay? Simon Peter starts it off by saying Simon Peter. That's pretty simple for me. Don't start trying to think that you're so wise that you have to outthink God. Some things are just simple. Leave it alone. And so here, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained Like precious faith. When you obtain something, you have received something. We need to understand that what is it that God has given us? God has given us eternal life when we, by faith, trust in the gift that he has given. That's Jesus dying on the cross, buried and rose again. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they have obtained like precious faith a saving faith. It's a faith that saves Jews. It's a faith that saves Gentiles. It's a faith that saves men. It's a faith that saves women. It's the faith that saves the bond, the, those that are bound, the, the ones that are free and, and like, and it means equal in value. I, I love how we need to understand the ground is level at the cross, and there is no racism in Christianity. There isn't anyone who's better than anyone else. We know and understand that. And so don't don't listen to the lies of this world. And, and don't live the lies of this world. And, and, and don't walk around in hatred in your heart. and And don't listen to the press. And don't listen to the politicians who are always trying to keep you built up and mad at each other. That's just straight from the devil himself. Nothing in that is ever from God. And so we need to remember that. And and here, God saves us all the same way. From day one, it's always been the same. And, And when Adam and Eve had sinned and brought on the curse to the world, we know that then they had to look forward to the sacrifice that was made. It was evident that they understood that when their son Abel sacrificed the lamb. And Cain killed him for it. But oh how it's always evident! You always have to look to the Messiah, and whether it was in the past before he came to the cross, they looked to him coming to the cross and dying for their sins, or like us, we look back to that day that he died on that cross for the sins of the world. But it's always about Jesus, and and that's what he's talking about here: those that that have obtained like precious faith, and and so, uh, uh, and and how with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so here, the means by which the faith was obtained, and uh, by means of righteousness, or or in, you, you might even have the idea that uh, in the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and when we think about righteousness, it's also the uprightness. And And it's all about God's righteousness, not man's. You know what it tells us in Psalm 14 and verse 3? It tells us they are all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. I believe he tells us that again in Psalm 53. I didn't write it down, but I believe it's, don't hold me to that, but I believe it's Psalm 53. He says the same thing and And then he turns around and tells us that again in Romans chapter 3. And Isaiah 64 in verse 6 tells us, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You see, there's nothing that we can offer God. And so when he tells us this, he he describes who he is. He's a servant. He's an apostle, and 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 he's writing this to them that have have been given the uh, and have received like precious faith, and 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 that precious faith is that uh, uh, truly that that saving faith uh, with us through or in the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. It really is humbling, but we have nothing to offer God. But he has everything to offer us. And it's a precious, precious salvation through him that we trust him and look to him. Make certain of that. Make certain that you can call God your father. That you can say that Jesus Christ is my savior and that you know that and that you have placed your faith in him as your savior. When you do, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 tells us, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Make certain of your salvation, guys, all of you. Everyone sitting here, I'm not not here to condemn anyone. I'm just telling you that receive the precious love of Christ and, and understand the burden that he will take away when he forgives you of your sins. And it's not a pride issue. It's something that everyone has to do, and and we have to come to that point in our lives where we we'll, we are willing to do that. If you're not willing to do that, then we're in trouble of ever accomplishing anything for God. You're you're never going to make it on your own. And so settle it. You know, I as I was as I was up there and and um, hunting, and and we had a lot of downtime, and. And I'm thankful for that. I could uh, finally breathe again, and uh, I had a lot of time to think. You know, and and believe it or not, it's just the the you the church family is my life. I mean, it's not a job. It truly is a calling, and it's a burden. and And uh, love you guys, and and want the best for you. And so you're always thinking of those things, and thinking of of things that you can do to help, and things that could be better. and and I just feel like, and I know feeling. Be careful of the feelings, but I just kind of feel like we've kind of slipped a little bit. You know, I I feel like we have been moving along and and doing the things you know that that we ought to do, but we just get caught up in life, and we we get caught up in in our own things that we're doing, and 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 now we're you know we're we're kind of getting back in the rut. School started back up again, and all of that, but. Uh, our numbers, and I know it's not all numbers, but it does tell me something. Something's going on that our, our summer numbers, you always expect that to be lower. People are on vacation. People are, are, are doing things like that. I understand that, but our fall numbers haven't come back yet. And it just reminds me, maybe we're slipping a little bit and getting a little lazy on things, and, and, and let's be careful. How many are glad that your salvation isn't based on whether the Broncos win or lose? <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I'm just how many you're glad your salvation based on whether the Chiefs win or lose. You know, I I I mean, we we can get so caught up in in some of these things, and and I'm all about having fun, but let's make sure we keep things all in the right perspective. You know, and and, and enjoy what what God gives us in salvation, but let's make sure that we understand. Some of the obligations we owe God. He's given us everything. If you know him as your Savior, he's given you eternal life. There's nothing better than that. Now, I'm telling you, I, I went and visited Roy Schilling's dad, Randy, yesterday, and, and they're telling me that, that Randy's probably on his last few days. And so pray for Roy and Sue and Robbie and, and pray for Randy. You know, Randy I uh, has been a friend for 25 years, and a good man. But I'm telling you, every day when we see death, do you understand it's a realization of two things? You're a sinner and judgment's coming for all of us. We can try to avoid it and we can try to, to fight it and we can try to do everything we can to, to stay healthy and, and, and uh, live longer. But the day is coming, if God tarries, we will die. And the reason we die is because we sin. And then we need to understand, have we dealt with our sin? Have you dealt with it at the cross? I pray that you have. If you haven't, deal with it today. And seek the forgiveness and and live for him. And then, guess what? He tells us how to live. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Now, he's talking to believers. He's talking to those that have obtained like precious faith. So, this isn't talking about saving grace. They've already experienced saving grace. This is talking about life-sustaining grace. This is the grace every day that God gives us to wake up even in the battles of life and, and battle through the stresses that you have, battle through the anxiety, battle through the depression, battle through the grief, battle through what it, the, the anger and the bitterness and the, the inequalities of the day and whatever, you know, all of, all of the things that that are going on and and, and uh, it's a grace to move forward and, and have a smile on your face. And it's not a fake smile, but it's truly a smile on your face because you know that you have an eternal home. You know a God who loves you and doesn't forsake you that is always there. He loves you he and he's going to show you that. And he even loves your your family more than you do or or those that are causing you stress or because you want them to do better or whatever it is that's going on in your life you need to understand jesus loves them more than even you do and you can rest in that and knowing that he has things under control and 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 our the the world today and and we see the chaotic path that it's on and and sometimes you look up and you think well, how in the world is this ever going to be right we need to understand that it's okay God still has things under control. He might let you go on a roller coaster ride for a while to make sure that your eyes are fixed on Him, but He still has it under control. And so we trust Him, and and it's a grace that is truly undeserved and an unmerited favor that He gives us a grace for daily living. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, if you want to follow with me, you can. I, I, I do want to read this one, and and really it goes along with what Peter is saying, the, the importance of the Word of God. He tells us that in verse 12, but in, in uh, verse 16 he goes on talking about the high priest that, that uh, is Jesus who went through the very same things and understands what we've gone through, but he did so without sin. And he says, and because of that, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you understand that as a believer that the throne of God no longer represents judgment, but it represents grace? And you can go to Him in time of help and time of need, and and He is listening to you, and, and He will meet the needs that you have, and you need to go to Him, and you need to trust Him, and that's the kind of grace that That God wants us to understand uh, in our lives. In James chapter 4 and verse 6, he tells us this He says, But he, God, giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You see, that's the kind of grace that he wants us to have. We need to live according to that. We need to make certain that, that we're saved and on our way to heaven. Make certain of that. And then live according to God's grace in your life. You know how, how else you can exemplify that is, is by being graceful to others. Showing grace to others. Being a little kinder to others. And being pleasant around those that you are around. And why? Because he also wants you to have peace multiplied unto you. I, I, I want that more and more. As I get older, I just want peace. I, I, I understand now, you see the pictures of the old guy sitting on a, uh, on, on a swing on the porch and just sitting there whittling, and he's just peaceful. I want that. I, I, I want the world to kind of slow down here, and, and whether it does or not, I want to have that kind of peace in my life, no matter what comes, no matter what the challenges are, that spiritually you can sit down and just sit there and kind of whittle. We we got into doing that while we were sitting there, uh, they were trying to convince me to go down the Grand Canyon, and climb back up the other side just so I could shoot a stupid elk. I told them they're out of their minds. I said that elk is going to live as long as he stays over there, unless somebody wants to go get me a 50 caliber rifle, and and uh, not muzzleloader either. And so, but that would be illegal, so we wouldn't want to do that. So, but so instead we sat there and, and I felt kind of, I felt a little bit like Jonah. Remember Jonah, he went into Nineveh and he preached and then he went up on the side of the hill and this gourd grew up and shaded him while well, I'm sitting there on the side of this crazy mountain and, and they're still trying, they're, they're like little puppies wanting to go on a walk. You know, Tyler's looking at me and Nathan's looking at me, you know, and 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 i'm I'm just Jonah, I'm just enjoying the shade, and I see the shower come, so I build me this little shelter out of out of the evergreen you know the the pine trees up there, and so I'll stay nice and dry and I was kind of like I was just kind of like Jonah, I kind of enjoyed that, and I stayed right where I was at, and the little whipped puppies had to go back to the tent with me because it was my party and my rules and so but as we sat there, we just I don't know. Got a little stick and just started whittling, and it was just peaceful, isn't it nice sometimes not have any worries in the world? You're just sitting there, and and you just let your mind, you just let it relax. And you know, my my grandma always accused me, Shannon. There's sometimes where you just put your brain in neutral and let let it rattle along. I don't think that was a compliment when she told me that, but. Sometimes it is nice to just put your brain in, in neutral, isn't it? And, and relax for a little bit and realize that God's got things under control, that it's going to be okay, and, and you trust him. Well, that's the kind of peace that he's talking about here. And really it is a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that even when you're watching your dad uh, in his final days laying there on the hospital bed, you can have a peace in your heart knowing that he's on his way to heaven knowing that God's promises will be fulfilled in his life knowing that his faith is complete i mean it's a it's a trust that that and a peace in your heart knowing that that God loves your children more than you do and even though you see them you, you know in a in a world where you're concerned about the decisions that they're making but you can place them and give them to God and know that he loves them and will help them it's that kind of peace that he's telling us and he says, and he wants it multiplied. That's what we ought to look for, is that kind of peace multiplied to each one of us. Let us be peaceful in a crazy world today. Let, let us find that, that God can settle our hearts and our lives like no one else can. And so be multiplied unto you. And then how? How do we get this multiplied? How, how is it that we find this kind of life-sustaining grace How is it that we have this kind of peace that that can be multiplied? It's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So that knowledge is a complete knowledge. It's intimate. It's knowing everything about him. How how do you do that? Well, spend time in the one book that tells us who he is. Don't spend all your time in all the other books. you can read books for recreation, it's okay, but there is one book that will tell you who God is, and it's this one and, and he'll show you who he is and and he'll describe to you a love that that the world knows nothing about. He, he'll show you a power that 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 he can give to you to to, to live in a way that that people will look at you and they how in the world can? can he be in control and and be living that way and 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 have that kind of control in his life even when all those things are going on around you it's because that grace and peace is multiplied because as you get to know him and and the more you get to know him the the more you, it reveals who you are also and and the more that shows you how important it is that you cling to him and cling to his will and Cling to his word and and base everything that you do on what he's telling you and and you'll find out that it will be multiplied over and over and over. Boy, when, when I'm not living very gracefully to others and when I'm not living peacefully, you know what I have to stop and realize is that God hasn't moved. I'm the one that's veering away. And it's a thermometer telling me I need to come back to where I need to be and trusting him and walking with him and being obedient with him. And, and you find out that he keeps you on course and keeps you where you ought to be. And so it's a knowledge of scriptures that will help you to grow in grace and in peace. And so now we'll end here with verse 3, but we see now because of that, then that they're there are some promises that he gives us here and, and God's power that's given to believers here in verses three and four. According, okay? So according as his divine power, because or since or in as much as, as his divine power. You know what divine means? Deity, God, okay? God power. That, that's what he's talking about here. According then to his power as God, as sovereign, as as the sovereign, as, as God himself, his divine power, his might, his strength, hath given unto us, those who know Christ as our Savior, things that pertain unto life and godliness." You see, he's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. We are, if you know Christ as your Savior, you are already living your eternal life. We need to live that way. We need to live in the knowledge that our life isn't over here on earth. It really is just getting started. We'll see a completion of our faith soon. And, and so because of that, let us then live in a way that that is honoring and glorifying to God. And, and let us live according to his divine power, because it's through his divine power that he has given to every one of us as believers today, he has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. You know, the, the best definition I have for godliness is is having a high respect for who God is and living accordingly. That's what godliness is. Let us live in a godly fashion that is pleasing and honoring to God, not some man-made written rules that we want to have. I'm just talking about living according to what God's word says. Base everything in our lives on what God's word says. And so here he according as his a divine power given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And then how? Again, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And so here we have how he does it. How does he do it? By knowledge. Once again, knowing, second time now, we've seen the word knowledge, a complete, thorough knowledge of God. Let us learn who He is. Let's learn what God's Word tells us about Him in His Word, and, and then let us base our lives knowing what He tells us, having a respect for God, ha- having the, the godly living that, that God wants us to have. Look, It's not right, and and God tells us all throughout Scripture that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then live like Him. Don't live like the world. The world represents the devil himself, who's against God in every way. Don't live that way, but live the way that God has told you to live. Live according to His Word. What He tells us is right. What He tells us is wrong. It really doesn't matter what culture says. We need to do what God tells us. And so it's that knowledge, a particular knowledge, a complete and full and intimate knowledge that, that God wants. Look, you, you want to know what a false knowledge is? Look over in James chapter 2 and verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. You, you see, that that is a Incomplete knowledge, all right. That's understanding that that you know who Jesus is, all right. You know he's the Son of God. You know that he died on the cross. You recognize all of that, but there's not an intimate knowledge of knowing who he is in that you have not received him as your Savior. It's different. It's different. I knew Teresa as a girlfriend. But I knew her a lot better 34 years married to her. There's a different kind of a knowledge. And so I, I knew that she was, a, uh, she was a girl at the time. I knew she was a daughter of Bob and Sherry Carter. I knew that she was in eighth grade and one day I was going to marry her. We, we get busy. We get early in Missouri, you know. Ninth grade, if you're not married, we were concerned. I'm kidding, Right. But there's a complete, intimate knowledge that you have to have, and that's an incomplete knowledge. Just because you know the, who Jesus is doesn't mean anything. Do you know Him? Do you truly know Him as your Savior? And so then He also tells us: you 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 think about a genuine knowledge of Him. Turn over to Matthew 16, and here Jesus is talking to His disciples, and 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 He says, "I know what what they're saying about me, and." who they think i am but but gentlemen i'm just talking to you and he's talking to his disciples right there that are with him and and this is why he says when jesus in verse 13 matthew 16 when jesus came into the coast of caesarea philippi he asked his disciples saying whom do men say that i the son of man am and they said some say that thou art john the baptist some elijah and others jeremiah or one of the prophets he said unto them but whom say you that i am and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That's a true, genuine knowledge, a saving knowledge of the Savior. And so it's that kind of knowledge that he's talking about. So it's through the knowledge of him that, and what has he done? He has called us to glory and virtue. And I'll end with that. We need to live in that glory and virtue. We think about the glory, it's the divine majesty possessed by Christ. Oh, let us live in a way that people can truly see Jesus in our lives. They don't see that whenever we're living some ungodly way that represents our old reprobate lifestyle. He wants us to live in a new creature, a godly creature, one that truly represents who Jesus is and what Jesus would do in that situation. The divine majesty possessed by Jesus and let us represent Jesus in every way. Let us represent Jesus in virtue we think about the virtue, then we think about moral excellency. It's the miraculous power that that God gives to us to live in a way that is upright, that is righteous, that is honest, that is morally true to the compass that God has given us in his word. It's not the morality that culture tells us is true. It's a morality that is described to us in his word That describes our Savior, and that is exactly what we ought to be doing in our lives. Our moral compass is not based on something that that somebody wants to write into law. Our moral compass is based upon what God has said, and we live according to that. Even when society wants to change that, even when society tells us that that's bigoted or racist or whatever, We need to base it upon the moral compass that God has given us in His written Word. You see why the devil wants to keep us from being empowered by knowledge? Do you think the devil is going to fight us every Sunday when we open up the Word of God and, and try to explain what God's Word says? Because the devil knows knowledge is power. And the more knowledge we have of God's Word, the more knowledge we have of who He is, the more intimate that relationship becomes with us and our Savior, the more important it is to live a godly, virtuous type of life that God wants us to have. And maybe the reason that we are battling the worldliness in our lives today is because we're just not very close to God. And we just need to get to know Him better and get to know what it is that He wants, and then you'll find out that... He can give you victory over some of those battles that's going on in your life. Let us live a godly, virtuous life that is blessed by God. What's hindering you today? What is it? What is it that stops you from telling God, I'm all in? I I, want to stop the things that, that you're convicting me of right now. I want those out of my life. I want to walk away from that. I want to walk out of this building today knowing that I'm right with you, knowing I'm on my way to heaven, and knowing that I'm behaving in a way that ought to be because I'm on my way to heaven. And if there's something there that God is showing you that's dragging you down and keeping you from doing that, you know what you do? Whether you literally do it or not, you take it, you leave it at the cross, you confess it to God, you get it right with Him, and you walk out of here clean of the burden and live the way that God wants you to live. Start a new path. Start a new life. Yeah, but this is the way that we've been living. I know, and it hasn't been working. Turn it around. Let God show you that He can change things in your life and use you greatly. But you got to do that. What is it that's bothering you? Well, take time now. Take time as we sing that hymn of invitation. Get it right with God walk out of here knowing that that burden has been lifted at Calvary. Let's pray. Father, I do. I, I pray for each one of us. Lord, th- this is just soul cleansing for all of us. We, we, need to, we need to be open and transparent with you. We need to rid ourselves of any kind of pride that, that we may have. And, and Lord, help us to, to live with eternity in focus. We, we don't have much time. And so Lord, let it be truly productive for you, your honor and your glory. Help us, Lord, to give up the trashy things in our lives and just get it right with you. And whether it's attitude or actions or behavior, whatever, just help us get rid of it and walk out of here knowing that we're right with you and change us. Just a complete lifestyle change in our lives and let us be what it is that you would have us to be. Lord, we love you. Help us to get to know you better every day. I pray as we go through this this, this book that, Lord, you'll do something special in our hearts, every one of us. That Father, we'll just see your power working in our hearts and our lives and transforming us, giving us a life full of grace and peace. And our our marriages are will will be stronger and better. Our our families will be stronger and better. Our our kids will will find the sanctuary at home that they should and the It'll just be what you want it to be. And, and so, Father, that's all we want. We just want your hand to be upon us in a way that is honoring and pleasing to you. And so whatever we need to do, I pray that you stir in the hearts of each one. And, Father, they'll settle those things now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one last opportunity, 567, if you need a hymnal, all your anxiety. We're going to sing that first verse. We'll sing the first and the last of this today. And uh, let's make sure we just leave it at Calvary today. Let's all stand as we sing.